let's talk about money. Today I want to talk about my financial journey throughout the course of this relationship and how I got myself into a really bad place. Welcome to Through the Fire, a podcast about how to live life while experiencing emotional abuse. Each week, I'll share my experiences with you, and we'll break down the lessons I've learned and help you apply them to your own life so that we can all start living with joy and purpose while learning how to keep ourselves safe and sane. So when people talk about abusive relationships, they say things like, there's almost always a component of financial abuse. And in my situation, I didn't really believe that. I thought like, no, that's not really what's going on. He's paying the bills. He's taking care of me financially, which made me question whether what I was really experiencing was abuse or not, if I didn't have this component that supposedly all abusive relationships have. So one day I looked at my financial situation and I realized that things didn't quite look the way they should. My friends and family started telling me that I was being financially abused and I was in denial about it. I thought, how can I be being financially abused when he's paying the rent, he's paying the credit card bills, he's paying for almost everything. So I dug deep and I got real honest with myself and here's a clear picture of my financial situation. When I met him, I had just paid off all my credit cards. I was not in debt at all, not one penny in debt, and I had some money in the bank. It wasn't a lot. I was essentially at zero. Like I had enough money to handle my living expenses for the next couple of months, like maybe three, four, five months, and I had no credit card debt at the time. I was using my credit cards and paying them off at the end of every month, which is super financially responsible. Like I said, I didn't have any investments. I didn't have a big savings account, but I was doing okay. When we started dating, he was paying for everything. Like he was paying for our outings, our dates, our meals, stuff like that. And then when he moved in, almost immediately when we started dating, my landlord decided that she was going to raise the rent. And I asked him to cover that increase, which he agreed to. Over time... He kept offering to give me a little bit more so that way I can use my money for other things like paying the bills and stuff like that. I thought that was really nice and my career was kind of tapering off at that point. I wasn't making as much money so the extra money coming from him was really, really helpful. What I didn't realize was that part of the reason my career was slowing down was because of him. I was an independent contractor and I had started turning down jobs because he would say things like, that's really stressful. It doesn't pay very much. You're worth more than that. So I decided that if he was going to pay a little bit of extra on the bills, I didn't really need to take that job. When you start turning down work as an independent contractor, your connections tend to dry up. They say, oh, no, she's turning down jobs, so they quit calling you. They start calling other more reliable people. Then he asked me about my 10-year plan in my life, and he didn't really like the answer that I gave him because what I had planned wasn't going to work with our relationship. I was planning on going on a road trip, traveling the United States, um, doing some social media type stuff, and he wasn't interested in a long distance relationship. So I knew that if I was going to be committed to this relationship, I was going to have to change my plan. 
So I decided to get into a different career, one where I could travel or I can stay stationary. So I started an online business and it was going okay, although my income dropped like dramatically. The drop in income wasn't that big of a deal because he started paying all of the rent. So all this sounds like, well, it's okay because he's covering everything. I'm not getting myself into a financial hole, but that's not really the case. I started using my credit card to pay for things I didn't have cash on hand for, like grocery bills, which were now twice as much as they were before because I'm feeding two people. Every time he wasn't around, I would pay for something on my credit card, assuming that I would just pay it off later or that he would reimburse me, and that didn't happen. Little things started adding up, and because he didn't have any bank accounts or debit cards, every time we needed a card to pay for something, I covered it. So, for example, when we went on vacation, it was $30 a person to check our luggage, and it had to be paid with a card. So that's $60 each way, $120 on my credit card, boom. He says, oh, don't worry, I'll pay back later. But the payback never came. And that started happening more and more frequently. I put a mattress on my credit card. I put furniture. I put little things here and there. Like I said, $30 here, $40 there, getting food delivered, just little things. But the thing about credit cards is that the balance adds up quickly. And then there's compound interest. Compound interest basically means you're paying interest on your interest. So even if you pay your minimums, you never really pay down the overall balance. So my credit cards started to grow and grow and grow. When he found out how much I owed on my credit cards, he was shocked. He's like, wow, my gosh, how did you spend that much money putting it all on me? And I said, well, these are things that I bought for the household. These are things I bought for both of us. These are things that you said you were going to pay me back and just never got paid back. At first, he was like, oh, well, you just need to remind me to pay you back. And I said, okay. So I reminded him about a bunch of things. He made note of it, but I never got the money. So fast forward to today, almost all of my credit cards are maxed out or near max. And he takes no responsibility whatsoever for the amount of money that's on my credit cards. He started paying all of the bills, all of the bills that were, that I had previously that were just in my name, as well as our joint bills together. When I say the the bills that are just in my name, I mean like my credit cards. I had the credit card open before I met him, so I consider that my bill. But the money that's on that credit card, the balance that's on it, went to buy things that benefited both of us, things that we needed together, things that he asked me to put on there, things that he'd agreed to pay for. So I don't really, they're not really my bills. They're our bills. The last time we had a a conversation about our finances, he said, I have no problem helping you pay off your debt. And I said, our debt, we built this together. And he rolled his eyes at me. Like I was trying to put something on him that wasn't his. And this was all very subtle. I still wasn't really sure if it was, manipulation, if it was just coincidence, like how this money got onto my credit cards, how my debt started increasing. You know, we bought a vacation package together, which required that I open a new credit card, but that went in my name, not in his name. Uh, Every time we needed to do something that cost a lot of money, it went in my name. So all of the debt was under my name and all the income was his. 
Since the debt was under my name, he calls it my debt. He absolves himself of all responsibility because it only has my name on the bill. When I really admitted to myself that there might be some abuse happening was when we bought a car at the beginning of the year. We had a car and it started acting funny. It was really old. Um, Mind you, this car was his car that he'd purchased earlier on in his life. He'd had it for a couple of years. I didn't have a car when we met. I was riding my motorcycle, which he found very dangerous. So he insisted that I drive a car because he felt like it was safer. I had no desire to drive a car. I had totaled my car a few years back and I didn't feel like driving in Los Angeles. Me taking Uber and Lyft and public transit and my motorcycle was perfectly fine with me, but he didn't like that, so he insisted that I use his car. It was kind of a nice change because driving a car can be more convenient a lot of the times, like if you're going to the grocery store. So I obliged. Well, after a couple of years of driving this car, it started to break down, and he was worried that I was going to get stranded. I said, you know what? It doesn't matter because I'm not going anywhere. Like, I don't leave for work anymore. Now I work from home exclusively. And if I'm going somewhere and I get stranded, it's not a big deal. I'll just take a Lyft or an Uber home and we can go take care of the car when you get off of work. Like, for me, it was just a minor inconvenience. It didn't matter to me. I was willing to drive that car into the ground because I still didn't really value having a car. Well, he insisted that we get a car. He kept trying to pressure me to help him pick one out and go car shopping. And I told him literally word for word, there are an infinite number of things I would rather spend money on than a car. And he dropped it for two days. Then he was back on the search for a car. We ended up at the car dealerships and I thought to myself, you know what? If he is so insistent on buying a car, then he can buy a car. He had a car before we met. He let me borrow it. If something happens between us, he'll keep the car and that will be that. He will just have purchased himself a new car. So I was said, okay, fine. Well, when it came time to purchase the car, the credit came back and he was declined for credit. So if we were going to purchase the car now, it was going to go solely in my name. It made me very uncomfortable. I suggested that we wait until his credit was at a point where we could both be on the title of the car. And he insisted, no, we get it now. I felt really pressured. I knew that I couldn't really say no because it was going to cause a big fight, that the fight would last for weeks or months. Um, All my friends tell me things like, well, you signed the paper. You had the, the power to say no. You got yourself into this mess. And yeah, that's true. But... It didn't really feel like I had much of a choice at the time. I had to weigh my options and what was going to be safest and most comfortable for me. And just giving in seemed like the best option at the time. Now, if you're not in an abusive relationship, if you've never been in an abusive relationship, this idea that you can get pressured into doing things that you don't want to do seems weak to some degree. But when you're in a relationship with an abuser, they have spent years wearing you down, convincing you to do what they want to do, punishing you for not doing it, and the fear of them and their manipulation and their abuse is so great that most of the time it feels easier to just say yes and do whatever they want than it is to put up a fight. Just as an example... One thing that I did put up a fight about was my 
foray into bodybuilding. It was very important to me. It was something that I shared with my parents that I really wanted to do. And he refused to support me, to come to my shows. He fought me every time we went to the gym. It was a fight. Every time I practiced my posing, it was a fight. Every time I went on a diet, he would try to sabotage it. And I fought and fought and fought for that for well over a year before he finally started coming around and just letting me do it. Now, it would have been so much easier for me to just give up on the bodybuilding, but this was something that I really was not willing to give up. This was a part of me, of who I am, of what I love to do, and I felt like my life absolutely would not be complete if it was not if I did not pursue that. Was it worth years of fighting just to be allowed to do what I want to do? For me, yeah, it was. But there are a lot of things that are not worth fighting daily about for over a year to get your way. And the fights are not normal squabbles. They're like manipulations. They make you feel terrible about who you are, about your values. They make you feel bad about your friends. And they will start fights about anything and everything because they're still mad at you about not giving in on that one issue. So was it worth a year of turmoil, a year of volatility, a year of emotional upheaval to say no about this car? No, it wasn't. So I signed the papers and I got the car. So now I'm looking at my credit report and I look at how much money I have in debt and how much money I have in surplus. And the number is scary. Now to most people who have stable jobs, $30,000 doesn't sound like that much debt. It's manageable. Yes, it is totally manageable. But when your income has dropped to $3,000 a year, a $30,000 debt looks freaking enormous. It looks scary. And all of this is part of his tactic to make me believe that I am not able to function in my life without him, that I'm incompetent, that I can't take care of myself, and that if I leave him, I will somehow be going backwards lowering my quality of life, that I will be struggling and that I need him in order to get by and to manage this debt. On one hand, it feels that way. It feels really real. It feels like how in the world am I going to be able to take care of myself if I leave him? And on the other hand, I have to keep reminding myself, he's the one that got you into this. And when I was on my own taking care of myself, I was completely debt free. I had money in the bank and I was happy. It wouldn't take me long to get back there. I am such a capable person. I moved out of my house when I was 16 years old. I started working. I got my first job. I took care of myself just fine before he came along for over 15 years. I was completely fine. I was happy. I wasn't late on my bills. I never got evicted. I was more than capable of taking care of myself. And now for some reason, after four years with this guy, I feel like a complete incompetent mess, like a child, like somebody who couldn't possibly take on the world. And that's humiliating, embarrassing, and scary AF, just to be honest. But I know that as soon as I leave, my income is not going to be $3,000 a year. You know, I know that as soon as I'm in a place where I can focus mentally, where I have the time and the energy to put towards my work, where I don't have somebody constantly telling me not to get a job, 
or not to do certain things with my business that my income is going to increase exponentially and these $30,000 are going to evaporate. And that's my logical mind that I know I can do it on my own. But my emotional side says, no, you can't. And it's really scary. I want to thank you for listening to this episode. As you can tell, I recorded it while I was still in the relationship with my ex. Um, Now that I've been out for about six months, things are looking up. Um, Finances are still hard, you know. The debt didn't magically evaporate, but that's okay. I'm working towards a better life for me and my dog. And everything is so much better now that I don't have him constantly manipulating me and abusing me financially. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review it. It will really help us get this information out to other people who are still suffering and struggling. And join us on the Facebook group. It's called Through the Fire, Escaping and Healing from Abuse. And you can request show topics. You can get your questions answered. You can meet other people who are going through the same things as you, no matter what stage you're in, whether you're in or out of the relationship. So I really hope to see you over there. Thanks for listening.